Hello, everybody. Welcome to whatever this will be called in some future date. We'll work it out. I don't know. I'm yeah. Bruce Moyle. <laughs> I'm Ed Jones. Uh, we're two Tasmanian photographers who like taking pictures, which is why we're photographers. That would be it. Yeah. So we thought we'd start trying to do something a bit different and talk. Like, we always talk about stuff, so why not record it and stick it out there? Um, yep. I've been... I've got an old, old, long-running background with podcasting, but I haven't done it in quite a while. Um, but this this is sort of a fun format for, for us to dive into because we can talk about our local issues because, as, as far as I know, nobody else in Tasmania doing this. No. And the other thing would be is um, us um, just talking about everything else that comes to us like within this industry because you know, there's a lot of depth and breadth and... Why not? Yep. Yep. So, uh, who are we is probably where we should start with on the, the first show. Yep. Um, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm a portrait and wedding photographer. Well, that's basically what I do now. Um, my passion is portraits. I enjoy shooting weddings as well. Um, I'm sort of in my second career. I've Photography's always been a passion. I spent 20 years as a commercial pilot and um, just that sort of chews you up and spits you out and needed a change and kept my sanity by taking photos and went, yeah, okay, let's let's do this. And so took my other passion and have turned into a business. Um, I've been going shooting um, for my work now for just under four years. Um, shoot a lot of weddings, family portraits, bit of editorial stuff, um, been doing a bit of freelance for papers and things like that. Yeah, and you're based in northwest Tasmania. Yep. I'm currently, studio is in Burnie in northwest Tassie, um, just a nice little studio and working on some other schemes at the moment other for that. Yes. Concocting Stay things. Stay tuned. Um, I suppose for people outside of Tasmania, to give you an idea, Tasmania is that little island below Australia. Yep. Not Antarctica, no, we're a bit higher than that. Um, not as cold as that either, as much as people would like Almost. to say it is. <laughs> the last week. The last week it has been. Um, we're roughly about half a million people up. Yep. Um, and I suppose, you know what, looking at twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 up in Burning Way? Yeah, about that. Um, so, really small population. I'm based in Launceston, so, which is um, the third oldest city in the country. <laughs> just for a bit of historical knowledge, but it only has, with the outlying area, about 150,000 yeah. people. And Hobart, which is the capital, has majority of people. Yeah. So we're very, um, we're not remote, isolated, but we're definitely on the fringe of of where a lot of this work comes from. We generally yep. work with. Um, I'm I'm not a wedding photographer. I'm not a family photographer. I'm I'm. Um, commercial advertising product um headshots and portraiture so more more towards the commercial line of things uh, with a fine art bent um which is where the um fun comes in i suppose i've been really have only properly picked up a camera four years ago and really have only taken it seriously in the last two years yeah um i cut my teeth on shooting roller derby or Derby, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, because at the time I was shooting video, um, 
um, yeah, and really using DSLRs for video has been something I've been doing for a lot longer. And I decided that um, I was bored of doing that. It was too much post-production. Let's let's turn it over and have a bit of a fun with the stills, which these are things were made for. And the rabbit hole started. And then somebody showed me off-camera flash when I pointed out a photo and said, how the hell does that work? And then I just went further and further down the hole to the point where I was like, okay, uh, I'm earning a... a a amount of money to survive off this so i better start calling myself a photographer if not professional yep it took me a while yeah. i really didn't want to call myself a photographer for a long time yeah i i suppose i was about a year into it before i thought of myself as a photographer i mean that probably comes from 20 years of calling yourself a pilot and yep. calling yourself something else is really weird to do but um yeah, I just sort of, I eased into it after I finished flying and I had about six months off and that was when my sort of passion really sort of took hold, all the stuff that I'd spent the last 20 years doing for fun. Yeah. Um, sort of all of a sudden I discovered I was getting paid to take photos and it's like, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. a little bit of addiction which <clears throat> comes with it. It's like, oh, I, I might be okay at this. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of people start as well, like, Today, like, there's always that adage of um, if you want to become a professionalist career or whatever, you go and you know assist somebody for yep. three years or something like that. That's not really possible here. No, um, and that has changed a lot as well. And then there's you know with the advent of digital photography and everybody else sort of being every man's dog picking up a camera. Yep, it's sort of how do you get yourself above. Yeah, the noise yeah. and yeah. that, and you know, the first step is when you people start saying, "Are oh, you good enough to get paid?" But then, are you good enough to continually get paid? Yeah, you sort of you, like I started shooting events. That was I was shooting for my own sanity, and then sort of started people started getting me into shoot like Christmas events and things like that. Yeah, and, and I didn't mind that, and and it was I think a photo I took at a, a Christmas event. I sort of looked at this photo and went. Yeah, I this is this is it, and I, I rediscovered something that I'd I'd had a passion for in photography, like back in the nineties. Yep. So when I first sort of picked up a camera, and I realised I love watching people and capturing stuff about mm. people, capturing emotion. Um, I love getting out in the street shooting for my own fun. Yeah, um, that's probably my ideal. Two things I love doing: ideal ideas of fun, or either being in a studio, really sort of creating something with some emotion and some depth or getting out on the street and shooting. And those sort of skills translate well across to weddings and yeah. and sort of portraiture. So, I think, yeah, I think you initially need to have the passion. Oh, yeah, passions. Um, because if you're coming in it just for a cynical commercial reason, you, you'll get bored of it fairly yep. quickly. Yeah. Um, and then, like everybody, uh, you sort of unless you've got a pure direction, which is very rare and you know where you want to be, you sort of doddle around, like you play with events. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you do some portraiture, you try your hand at different things to find what you like. Yeah, and it, that that can be cyclical as well. Like you'll go from one thing to another and then back to another. It's sort of yeah. as you evolve, like um, I probably haven't shot much street over the last while, but and I was traveling last year and I, I thought I'll go and shoot a heap of street. And I just couldn't sort of, I really, it didn't happen. I just didn't feel the drive to do it. But yep. now it's starting to different come things back. have clicked in with other things I've done. I'm going, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Things fade and come back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that as well, but it's got to be the passion that drives. Like it is one of those, like you said, there's a lot of noise out there 
yep. um, and to lift yourself above, you've got to have the passion to push through that because, yeah, very yeah. quickly you discover if you don't have the passion to put in the hours and the time and the learning, you quickly sort of discover that it's hard to, to get out of that noise. Yeah, I think, I think you're, you can have limited starting success, but yep. going from there to something, particularly if you ever think about it as a full-time job, which is a hard thing to do yep. and that transition at some point some people fall into it straight away and that's very rare and some people get forced into it because you know they've lost everything and that's the only thing they've got yep. to do at the moment and hope the hell they you know that people start paying them but it's, yeah. but there's, i think there's more to it than that anyway but uh, i don't know like i i started my background is i was a sound engineer i have a degree in computing um and i always loved post-production sound for film but yep. i couldn't do it because everything's in hollywood or sydney and yep. stuff like that i just didn't have the ability to do it yeah um i worked in hollywood for a bit and i did some other stuff and um and then the other thing i really liked was pretty pictures in cinema so yep. I, my background's always been based around cinema um bit of a nerdy geek person really <laughs> i think that cinema influence comes through in your work as well it's definitely there yeah, I, I, when I shoot events, um, which I don't do much of anymore except for select clients or um, theatre, I, I actually think in that way, like a cinematographer, even yep. though it's still, still photos, yep. um, unless there's specific briefs involved. Like I love having foreground, background yep. with the objects in the middle and stuff like sandwiching things together. Um, so, yeah, the idea of like I, shooting a lot of stuff video-wise and, and when the age of, you know, the five, Canon 5D Mark II came out and everybody started doing, you know, cinema-grade video yep. at a price that wasn't exponential. Like you yep. weren't looking at hiring Panasonics or anything like that. You're like, um, Panavision, sorry. Um, you're, you're, um, it was actually amazing because before that, everybody was like talking about things like uh, this is probably for people who only know this stuff like red cameras and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, 50 grand, 50K yeah, yeah. for these cameras. And that was cheap. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want that look, but it's 50K. Well, it's better than Panavision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit. Oh. I suppose that rule's gone now. I'm swearing. I try not <laughs> to do too much of that. <laughs> I swear a lot. But um, yeah. I know. I found a passion from roller derby. I, I I was like captivated by the shots and having an instant community. Yep. Which is something you don't usually get. Yeah. Um, like you usually only have friends and family who get into your photos, but I had you know several hundred, if not more, females around this state who were just like, "Holy crap, you've got awesome pictures of me hitting somebody in booty shorts and stuff like that." And I was just having fun. Yep. But. I was getting sick of it until I saw a photo which was... problem with roller derby, if you've never seen it, it's always in really dim environments. It's very fast moving. So I was shooting just a camera, um, like a 70 to 200, just trying to get yep. action shots and, you know, trying to get enough detail and get the color right. And you're using under halogen lights and stuff yep. like that. So they're usually awfully yeah. green and bleh, on and wooden floors yeah so everything just looks awful um trying to make that work um and then yeah i saw somebody a crisp like so super crisp image of this skater from about in america i was just like where 
how yep and then uh, and i already had this promise to myself was i'm never getting in down the photography road anything i buy has to work for video yep it can't just be for photography and then somebody went that's off camera flash and i bought my first flash which is only for stills and now you, you're sitting in my environment how much yep. off camera flash stuff have i got <laughs> yeah it's pretty much everywhere yeah try not to get addicted to gear people actually i i temper that i've i've got a lot of gear but it's been more of a necessity in the long run yeah i think i think in the early stages as well when your gear addiction is fairly common yes to just go i need this i need this and it's i think a lot of that stems from while you're trying to get your head around the aesthetics and the creativity of it it's very easy to learn the technical and the gear is a big part of the technical. So it's very easy to understand the basics of these things and know what this can do. Yep. And while you're, it can, it can fuel your creativity to some degree playing with new gear, but then it's just getting to the stage where you can put that addiction to getting the gear behind you and, yep. and actually just going, what do I need and what can, what works for me? I, I find it, <clears throat> You you serve, uh, or I I tend to tend to think of, what do I have? What can I do with it? And if there is something I want, it takes me a long time generally get it. But it, how will this service me in the long run? Like yep. if it's not just for a one off, yeah, uh, it has to have a an exponential value over a long period of time. Yeah, like not everything's obviously going to end up like that. Some things you will buy thinking you're going to use it for the long term, and it just doesn't happen. But, yeah. um try not to do that like yeah i mean i i definitely went through a stage of building up a big kit and then i sort of had this epiphany and got rid of it all and yep. slimmed down to and changed it changed systems changed as well. systems yeah yeah i was sort of heavily down getting as many l series lenses as i could and being shitting canon and have to have the 5d3 and yep. have have all the all the things that everyone on all the blog sites that says yeah, yeah. you must have this lens and then I just realized that a lot of this gear was sitting around doing nothing and it wasn't working for me. And then I discovered, I, I love my old analog cameras and I discovered a digital system that sort of reflected that yep. aesthetic. And so I got rid of all the Canon and got like rid of Fuji. like three bags worth of stuff. And now I can, now I can go out the door with a shoulder bag and shoot whatever I want to do. Yeah. I'm still carrying around half a ton. Yeah. Nah. Oh. I, I'm trying to avoid like, I don't jump on board with new gear. Like the new Fuji X-Pro 2's come out and everyone's ditching their X-T1's because apparently they don't take good photos anymore. That's and garbage. I'm just like, I'm I'm sort of sitting there like big influence on me is Zach Arias and I remember hearing on one of his blogs him saying he loves people with gear acquisition syndrome gas because he can buy their gear in six months' time at half price. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. I'm sort of sitting there thinking, oh, the X-Pro 2 is a nice camera but I don't need it. It won't make my photos any better. Um, and when I do need one, they'll be a lot cheaper because it'll be down the track a while. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, fair point. I, I, I still think in my brain in two terms, what can I use for video and what can I use for photo? It's sort of funny. I do less video than I do stills, but the way I charge, I still get more money out of video because yeah. the jobs are more complicated. Yeah. Um, so they generally end up even in the wash over a period of 12 months. But I, yeah, I, my gear is exponential because I've bought, I've got cranes, I've got sliders, I've got 
all sorts of stuff which I use for video work, which I would never use for stills. Yeah. But then I've got stuff for stills which I'd never use for for yeah. video. So, and they all come in handy. So I, I I don't know. I I have a kit which has bass in it, and then I I slap in the the mods <laughs> as I need to for each different job. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. My kit's just all about being sneaky. It's got to be as small and unobtrusive as possible. Um, that's that's what I love. Like if I'm, out, I need the same thing if I'm out on the street shooting as I yep. do at a wedding because when I'm shooting a wedding, I don't want to be seen coming with big, big white lens and a huge and double slinging cameras from either side. I want to be have the photo before people know I'm no, there. No, you're there. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Keep it small and simple. So you might see your work is. Um sort of wedding with a bit of portraiture yeah weddings is probably about 80 percent at the moment um i'm trying to balance that back like as i said got some plans happening so with a, a bit of a change in structure and relocation of some of my stuff i'll be pushing more towards portraiture yep um and growing that more and scaling the weddings back a little bit just because they take you lose every saturday's gone through summer and i've got two kids yeah it's been I want to spend my Saturdays with them, not someone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. I, I've got a little one as well, and I, I've never wanted to go down the wedding path. Like I've, I've done second video camera and audio for a couple of weddings, and that's it. It eats your weekends, and yeah. it eats your weekends in the best time of the year that you want to be spending time with your family. So I cap my weddings as it is. Yep. I sort of shoot a, a limited number, um, and this year I've sort of... I've tried to push more for weddings through winter than through summer. Um, so that last summer we were able to go away camping and do things like that, which which we couldn't sort of normally do. Yeah, so. yeah, and they're always in. People want to have their weddings on the sunny days. So yeah, you know. which I hate shooting weddings on really really sunny days. Ah, oh, come on, it's just a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing you do is yeah, you're saying you're into analog. Um, uh, like stylings but yep. you're actually are uh, shooting analog you're shooting film yeah I shoot film um, I've been a little bit quiet on it lately um, just been busy with things like we just got a few sort of things going on like moving house and um, we had a sort of disrupted summer with daughter breaking a leg and things like that so yeah. I didn't get out and, and shoot as much you got sick as well so. yeah I got yeah. sick which wasn't fun um, so just getting on top of that now so I'm looking forward to some opportunities to shoot some film. I'm thinking going over to the uh, ARPP Nikon event and just taking film camera with me, leave all my digital gear at home. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I don't know if I could bring myself to do that. Yeah, I'll, I, I'm, it'll be a challenge. I can probably see my X100 going into my bag as well. But mm. Now you make me think of what I should pack. If I should just <laughs> throw in like like uh, a 35 and, and my... um the sony a7s or something just something two small cameras and like two lenses yeah you know that, that and that's pretty i'm mine will all fit in a shoulder bag it'll probably be my canon a1 and a couple of rolls of film and yeah yeah well that's another thing here i suppose is that and this is sort of how we met is through um through mutual facebook circles and film yep like me wanting to learn how to shoot film mainly in a technical sense to improve my photography and then you know once again getting a little addicted to like what does that film do how does that work etc actually that that's me i i if i get stuck on an idea i I sort of 
start going down that rabbit hole trying to work out how everything works yeah well and that's that's very much me as well yeah i get a bit obsessed about things and very tunnel visioned on something for a while and until something else shiny comes along and then i get obsessed and focused on that for a little while yeah Yeah. wow (laughs) i'm just thinking like the fridge here in the studio has like milk for coffee some leftovers for lunches and film yeah it's just a heap of film and polaroid i got a fridge at home full of film that's all it's got in it it's just film 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 yeah well it's an expensive hobby and and i suppose i personally don't know how to monetize that it's more of a it is a hobby that's part that yeah you use it for you have actually been using it for your weddings and stuff so yeah i've been using it for weddings this summer i haven't shot as much this summer i shot uh if i i could use the number last summer so last the 15 16 no sorry 14 15 wedding season about five thousand dollars worth of film shooting over the course of the summer that's with film and development and costs. Dev, yeah um whereas this summer it's been probably about the thousand yeah um a whole lot less um just as i was sick i couldn't sort of lug stuff around as much um sort of so i had to slow down a bit but um and now with a few changes in film it's with fuji dropping film types and stuff like that it's come on people yeah keep keep our film alive we need more hipsters shooting film i don't know that might be the reason they're killing it <laughs> i don't know well hipsters usually pay premium so yeah yeah they're good consumers <laughs> but they're the first yeah yeah nobody else has done it before them uh, it's um, I love I love shooting film, and it's I think when I started shooting, I was a poor uni student, um, about ready to drop out of uni, which is what I did to go. So fly this is back in the dark ages when there was no there digital. was no digital, and I bought a secondhand Canon AE one and two lenses for sixty dollars, and I could afford to shoot a roll a month. Wow, so, like twenty four frames. That's it. Uh, 36, 36. 36 frames a month. So, and I'd go to the um, camera house on the Tuesdays when they did straightaway upsize enlargement. So, I'd get my prints as 5x7s instead of 4x6s for no extra cost. Um, But do that once a month. So, one roll a month was it. Which, when you spend your first month shooting stuff and you're itching to see it and it's all rubbish, you go, well, there goes that money in that month. I need to do better this month. So, it's sort of... Yeah. forces you and I still use film like that like if I feel I'm sort of slipping or I need to get myself seeing moments better and thinking better and anticipating better that's when I like to go out on the street with a with a camera and just a just a film just and a film roll a film yep well let's leave this show here and we'll go to another show um, and talk about film and yep. more the complexities of that um, where can we see your work See my work, I'll send you to my personal project type site. That's edjonesphotographer.com. Photographer.com. It will link through to my sort of my mainstream, my portrait and wedding work links there, but that's where the stuff I enjoy. That's where you'll see the stuff I shoot for my pleasure. Yeah, cool. Do you have Instagram or anything? Yep. Instagram, edjphotog, um, and Facebook, edjonesphotographer. You'll find me there. Um, that's it for me. I'm not with the Snapchat and all that all stuff that yet. that sort of stuff yet. Um, mine is uh, Joffrey Street Productions, so J-O-F-F-R-E, streetproductions.com. 
Um, you'll find that on Facebook as well, uh, Joffrey Street. Um, Instagram is actually B Moyle. Even though I do have Joffrey Street, I just haven't used it. <laughs> I sort of ended up with one one account with everything on it. Yep. Um, and I have been playing with Snapchat, so that's under Joffrey Street as well. So um, Joffrey with an ST on the end. I'll have to get your rundown on that. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, I've just been using it for silly behind-the-scenes stuff. Like It kind of keeps the behind-the-scenes stuff out of Instagram. Yeah, well, that's, when, that's when my Instagram tends to be a mix of behind-the-scenes, and then you'll, I'll usually post like a, a little sample from what I've, what I've shot. Yeah. Um, so... Cool. All right. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So, yeah, in, email us, find us on our websites or whatever, talk to us because we're probably talking to nobody at the moment. Yep, that's all right. We'll get there. We'll find you. See ya. See ya.